0: Testing. I think Mike Tree is uh, getting some feedback. Do You know which one is Mike Tree? Yes. In the presence of my enemy, I raise a hallelujah. Exceedingly great reward. We You're the treasure. Good morning. We join me in the word of prayer as we begin. Father, we thank you that your word is life unto us. So we pray that today our hearts will be open, our ears will be open to receive the word of life that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, good morning. It's a real joy to be here. Uh, although I must say it's very intimidating because I parked today in the car park. I came up in the lift and oh my, I ran into Auntie Esther. Auntie Esther, as you would know, uh, you know, was my Sunday school teacher growing up in COR, and it's a very, very, very odd feeling to be preaching to your own Sunday school teachers, uh, your ex-pastors coming from your church, a very odd uh, feeling, uh, but let me offer my congratulations to John, to Karen, uh, to Derek and Rachel if you're around, uh, wedding—you know the wedding is just a day, but marriage is a lifetime, so whatever happened yesterday, it's okay, but focus on the rest of the life to come. Now, today we want to take a closer look at what I think is a very surprising encounter between Jesus and Zacchaeus. You see, it's very surprising because there are a lot of things in this story that does not make sense. That's why it grabs our attention. That's why it astonishes us. Now, in particular, there are three things that surprise us. First of all, a surprising person of choice. Number two, a surprising response. And number three, A Surprising Salvation. For those of you who are taking notes or taking photos, this will be the outline of the sermon, and it will be all done in 25 minutes, I promise. Now, the first thing about today's sermon that really strikes us is Zacchaeus himself. Now look, Zacchaeus is a very surprising person of Troy's. Why? Because Zacchaeus is not a good person. Zacchaeus is not the kind of guy that you would want to save. He was socially despised. He's the kind of guy that, you know, sat down at the lunch table and everyone would walk away. When he wants to play football, he walks onto the soccer field, the football field, and everyone walks away. Why? A lot of it has to do with his job. So verse 2, Luke 19 verse 2 tells us that he was a chief collector and he was rich. Now, tax collectors were often corrupt. They would tax more than what was required and keep the excess for themselves. So if the Roman Empire required me as a tax collector to tax $10,000, I would take $15,000 and keep $5,000 for myself. And the text is explicit. It tells us that he was rich. So obviously, he was profiteering from his fellow Jews, his fellow uh, people in his community. Secondly, tax collectors were seen largely as traitors, they were Jews who were loyal to the Roman Empire. Now think about it. It's like the Japanese occupation in Singapore and you work as the police for the Japanese army. Surely nobody will like you. And again, verse 2 is descriptive. He wasn't just a tax collector, right? He's not just a rank and file police of the Japanese army. He is the chief tax collector. This guy is the police chief of the army of the Japanese police in Singapore. And so, people really, really despised him. They absolutely hated him. Zacchaeus is a traitor who got rich by stealing from us. In fact, Luke 19 is very interesting because it tells us that the people openly despised him. Look at verse 7. They openly call him a sinner. And when they, the crowd, saw it, they all grumbled. He, Jesus has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. My goodness. But the truth is, this isn't the saddest part of Zacchaeus' life. The saddest part of Zacchaeus' life is found in verse 3. And verse 3 reads, And he, Zacchaeus, was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. Now, at this point in time, I must clear up a bit of a confusion or misunderstanding. You know, when I grew up in Sunday school, Auntie Esther, Karen, John were Sunday school teachers and around, we used to sing this song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Correct? And so very often when we think of this account, we think of uh, Zacchaeus as kate ayam. Uh, For those of guests, it means um, kate ayam, short chicken. Right, like a short little man. In fact, if you look at those two pictures on the screen, on the top is an icon from an Eastern Orthodox church. And you can tell Zacchaeus is like half the size of Jesus, right? And then below is a stained glass from a Western church. And again, in typical art, de- art depictions, he's always depicted as being short, half the size of the rest. Now the NIV version of the Bible certainly doesn't help. If today you have an NIV Bible in your hands, it would read verse 3, because he was short and cannot see over the crowd. Now, the problem here is that the Greek word used cannot refer to short. The Greek word used here can mean age, can mean stature, but it cannot mean height. Which is why the ESV version gets it right, because he was small in stature. You see, stature is about your importance. Stature is about your reputation. Stature is about how your community sees, perceives and holds you. So if you are the student council president, if you are the rugby captain, if you are a colonel in the army, if you are a lawyer, you are a doctor, if you are a member of parliament, you are of high stature. But if you are from the library club, community club, micro mouse and computer, if you are a storeman in the army, If you're a factory worker, admin, executive, if you're a criminal, you are low in stature. You get get what's going on here? You get what I mean? Now you put this idea of stature back into verse 3 and you see a very, very sad picture. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but because the crowd despised him, because the crowd disliked him, they dismissed him, they rejected him. So nobody cared about him. Nobody wanted anything good for him. You can almost see that scene in your mind, right? Zacchaeus Zacchaeus is trying to break through the crowd, trying to see uh, who Jesus was. A bit like perhaps Zacchaeus trying to buy Coldplay and Taylor Swift tickets in Singapore. Can't get anything at all. He's probing to see, correct? And then the person will say, Go away, you lousy sinner. Okay, Okay, never mind. Maybe I'll try this side. I just want, excuse me. Do you mind if I come through? I just want to see Jesus. Huh. You this kind, uh, you this kind want to see Jesus, please lah. Hokkien will say, uh, sorry, I see the people overseas. Hokkien will say, Hosim, ah, you this kind want to see Jesus. Tax collector also want to see Jesus. Please lah. You get what's going on? That's verse 3. Because he was low in stature, nobody wanted to help him or to help him to see Christ. Nobody cared about him. Nobody wanted anything good for him. Nobody except Jesus. Because in verse 5, it tells us Jesus walks right up to the tree that Zacchaeus was at. Jesus stops there. Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus and tells him, Zacchaeus, come down, for I must stay at your house today. You see, this isn't chance. This isn't random. This isn't luck of the draw. Jesus wanted to encounter Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus can be despised, disliked, dismissed, but oh my, Jesus chooses him, Jesus values him, and Jesus loves him. A surprising person that Jesus chooses, but nonetheless the chosen person of God. And that really is our Savior, our Christ, our God. In fact, if you look in your Bibles, this couple of chapters, you keep seeing this pattern. Luke 17, Luke 18, Luke 19. Jesus keeps saving people who are very surprising, those who are low of social status, those who nobody wants to save. Now, let's be honest. Everyone wants to save those who we want to save. I want to see my best friend saved. I want to see the rich people saved. I want to see the powerful saved. Let's be honest, if Lee Sien Long, our Prime Minister, suddenly today on Instagram says, hmm, I want to find out more about the Christian faith, every Christian church and denomination will be falling and fawning and fighting over him. Oh, Sien Long, Sien Long, come my one, my Alpha, you know, my Alpha, very good. But would we fight for our Prime Minister the way we would fight for the 10 lepers in Luke 17? Would we fight? For the children and the blind beggar in Luke 18? Will we fight for the tax collector, the despised in our community, the way we would fight for Lysian Lung's salvation? We weren't, right? Because Zacchaeus is a sinner, a corrupt official, an outcast, doesn't deserve even the sight of Jesus Christ, let alone the work of Christ. But Jesus sees them, Jesus chooses them. And Jesus loves them. So these people, my friends, may be surprising choices to us, but not to Jesus Christ. This reminds me of a story, a real account. In 2009, there was a guy called Gergley Barkley. And he's a researcher in the Hungarian National Gallery in Budapest. And he was spending Christmas at home in 2009 with his young daughter. So they put on the show, Stuart Little, children's movie. And as the movie was playing, it came to a scene where Baki suddenly realized something odd in the background. There was this strange painting that he had somehow seen somewhere before. Baki immediately recognized that painting. It's titled Sleeping Lady with a Black Vase. And it was, in fact, a very, very rare work by a Hungarian artist named Robert Bareni. In fact, this painting had been lost since 1928. It has disappeared since 1928. Baki immediately called the film company, immediately called the film assistant. Apparently, the flum assistant had just picked it up at a neighborhood shop to decorate the set. She didn't know how valuable it was. Baki recovered the painting, it was touched up, and it was eventually auctioned off for half a million dollars. You see Baki saw the value of a painting even when no one could. Even though he only saw it for a couple of seconds in the background of the movie, Baki could immediately recognize its real value. Even when many people had seen it and dismissed it as a cheap painting, Baki saw and knew its true worth. In many ways Baki and the painting is a lot like Jesus and Zacchaeus. Jesus Zacchaeus is a man who is despised, disliked, and dismissed, a man far in the background. But Jesus saw him, even if for the split second, and immediately recognized him, valued him, prized him, and loved him. And that's why Jesus walked up to him and encounters him. A surprising choice to us, but a valuable person to God. Perhaps some of you sitting here today Maybe feeling that very way like Zacchaeus, despised, dismissed by the crowds in our life. Your class, platoon, your colleagues, your families. Perhaps you've been devalued by the crowds in your life. Or perhaps some of you are sitting here today struggling with issues of value and self-worth. We've let other things determine our value. People of God is that If that is you, Scripture teaches us that Jesus values you and recognizes you. Jesus sees you even if you think you are hiding in the background, even if today you come in just wanting to catch a glimpse of Him, He sees you, He values you, and He loves you. You may be a surprising choice to others, but Jesus chooses you. That's our first point for today, a very surprising person. Now our second point for today is a surprising response. You see, in Luke chapter 19, we see many surprising responses coming from Zacchaeus, but none more surprising than verse 8. Now, we are not told when or how or why, but somehow along the way, Zacchaeus stands up and says to Jesus, verse 8, Behold, Lord, half of all my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will return it fourfold. Now, this is absolutely crazy. Why? There are two crazy claims he's making that he's going to do. Number one, he's going to give away half of all his goods. Now, in modern terms, he's going to give away half his net worth. Not half his bank account, not half his wallet, not half of what, but of all he had, he's going to give away half. On top of that, anyone that he's defrauded, anyone he's taken extra money from, he's going to give back fourfold. Now, if you know your Bibles very well, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament laws only require Zacchaeus to repay 20%. So let's say I cheat John out of $10. Now, if we're living to Old Testament laws, I only have to give him back $12. Okay, that's from Numbers 5 and Leviticus 6. But what Zacchaeus is offering to do here is to pay back fourfold over and beyond what is required of him. So Zacchaeus gives a surprising response to Jesus. But Jesus gives an equally surprising response to Zacchaeus. Jesus hears what he said and Jesus declares, verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house. Today, salvation has come to this house. When I was preparing the sermon, I was deciding whether to do this part because it's a bit cheap, but I think we can. Can you stay with me just for two minutes, Ken? We're going to dig a bit deeper in the text here, okay? Because I was thinking, I saw some of your live stream, most of you here look like old timers. You look like you've done precepts and BSF, you can teach the course already. So we dig a little bit deeper. Are you okay? Can you stay with me? Two minutes of pain, I promise you. Okay, Ken? Now, there is a debate over verse 9. And the debate is this way. How should we understand what Jesus is saying? Is Jesus affirming salvation or awarding salvation? Is Jesus affirming salvation or awarding salvation? You see, is Jesus' statement an awarding of salvation? Wow, Zacchaeus, you want to do such a good thing. You have an intention to do such a good thing. Because of this, I give you, I award you salvation. So effectively, Zacchaeus had earned his salvation. That's an awarding of salvation. But majority of Bible scholars who study this text think that Jesus is affirming salvation and state. Zacchaeus, what you just said tells me that you are saved. It tells me that you have experienced God's love, God's grace and forgiveness. It tells me that you have repented. What you did does not save you, but what you did tells me that you are saved. So Jesus is observing, affirming Zacchaeus' salvation, which was already there. Okay, pain is over. Are you still with me? Okay, the the worst is over. So not an awarding, but an affirming. Now, one of the evidences for why this is the correct interpretation is because such an interpretation is in keeping with one of the key themes of the Gospel of Luke. And one of the key themes is Luke 3 verse 8. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. In fact, if you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 3, you will see this very interesting. as John the Baptist scolding, speaking to the Jews of his day and telling them, Please, do not think that just because you are sons of Abraham, you are saved. You are sons of promise. But John the Baptist is telling them the true sons of of Abraham, the true heirs of the promise of God are those who bear fruits in, in keeping with repentance. And again, it is that theme of sons of Abraham that connects us back to Luke 19. Do you see it? Luke 19 verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. Not in the genetic way, but in the John the Baptist way. Because Zacchaeus' response displays his fruit of repentance. I repent. I turn from my way. And this is a very important point for us to learn as the modern church. Because many of us in church today have mixed up personal salvation with private salvation. God saves us individually. God saves us personally. But many of us or some of us have taken it a step too far and we live out a private salvation. We are so quiet about our faith that nobody knows. More importantly, there's hardly any change in our life, evidence, fruits of repentance. I mean, let me illustrate it this way. There's a good friend of mine. I'll change his name for this illustration. Let's call him Tom He's single. My wife and me have been trying to matchmake him with some of our other friends who are ladies. And he's been single for as long as I know. I'm almost 40. Now, can you imagine if one day I find out that he's actually been married for the last five years? Ah, that would be crazy, right? What? You're married? Why do I not know? Do you have a ring? Why is it not on your Facebook or Instagram? Why, Why are you still so dressing as lousy as you always do? If you have a wife, surely your dress sense would change. You get what I mean? Now surely, my friend cannot be married. There's no evidence of it. It's the same here, you see. How can you encounter the God of heaven and earth, have a relationship with Him, and yet our lives display so little evidence? It's impossible. The people around you would know. Verse 8 tells us, Zacchaeus' community will know. Zacchaeus' family would know. Zacchaeus' bank account would know. Zacchaeus' social circles, his business, the fishmonger, the, the person who sells chicken to him, they will all know that he's encountered Jesus Christ. You cannot stay the same. A personal salvation, but never a private one. You know, I was doing my quiet time this week. I wrote this sermon a few weeks ago. And I was reading Colossians for my quiet time, and I thought I'd just throw it in here as well. I was reading Colossians 3, and it says this, Put on then as God's chosen, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Love one another. And I was just thinking to myself, if you read this, right, you cannot live out any of those in a bedroom by yourself. Am I right? Every single one of those on the list down there is only forged and only observable by people around you. You cannot live out the fullness of the gospel in a room by yourself. It is surely observable by people around you. Your family, your friends, your colleagues, your sphere of influences will certainly know. And that is our second point for today, a surprising response. And it teaches us that our lives must bear fruit in keeping with repentance. God's salvation is personal, but it is not private. Now, when I say this, I tend to get a bit worried because very often it's easy to water down the Christian faith into moral teachings. There is a danger that we walk out today thinking, wow, I must do many, many good things for all the times I've cheated on the ERP, for all the times I've driven in the bus lane in the morning, I'm going to pay back fourfold. I will pay back, I volunteer. But the truth is, that makes Jesus a moral education teacher. But he certainly is not. Jesus Christ is a saviour. Is this streamed? Is it recorded? Okay. Okay, let me think a bit carefully. On Friday... On just this past Friday, uh, I was at Cold Storage because there was a very, very good offer for a certain beverage that Anglicans can drink but Methodists cannot. Okay? So certain things that would normally sell for $40, $60 a bottle, I kid you not, was only going at $8. Cold Storage Real Mall, in case you want to know. But most of it is gone already. So I was there on Friday and I was buying bottles of a certain beverage that non-Methodists can drink. Um, and so anyway, I went there, and there was another couple who were also looking at the same deals. So, you know, uh, you know, birds of a feather flock together, you know, and we're discussing, It hey, is this beverage is quite good. It's from this particular region. And I was like, oh, I've tried this darker colored beverage before because it's really good. You should buy this. So we're chit-chatting and all, you know. I really don't know this guy. He's a complete stranger. And all of a sudden, they, they asked me the killer question. I was praying, dear Jesus, please don't ask me. They asked me, hey, by the way, uh, what do you do? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I do this and that. You know? <laughs> I told them, I'm a pastor. And immediately, their whole demeanor changed. Like, oh, 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 hi. How are you? <laughs> And the lady said something quite interesting. It was just the wife. The lady said this, Oh, 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 that, that's brilliant. You know, through COVID, many people needed help. I have a lot of friends that turn to church and Christian. It helps them be a better person. You know, I remember picking up a bottle of wine and saying, uh, Well, uh, I think it's not the same. And she was saying, Why? And I said, I think Christianity is not morality. It's two very different things. So she asked me why. You know, I'm being trained in theology, this is my response to her. I said, well, this guy put it this way. Morality is about making bad people good. But Jesus came to make dead people live. And it's vastly different. Morality is about making bad people good. But we believe that Jesus Christ came to make dead people live. And then I went into this question of, can you even really be good? Those of you who take philosophy know that this is the argument against Aristotle and Kant, right? Can you really be good? And I have a fear that if we walk away from this sermon without the third point, the Christian faith degenerates into moral teaching. You think that the way to be safe is to turn from a bad person to be good. But that is not the Christian faith. The Christian faith is Jesus Christ coming to make dead people live. And I want to show you in this text, that's really what's going on. Which is why I want to show you as my final point that it really is a text about the saviour of the world bringing a surprising salvation to Zacchaeus. God's grace was already at work in Zacchaeus's life right from the start. Zacchaeus on his part was already responding in faith all along. Zacchaeus probably didn't even know. This is an account of a surprising salvation. I mean, look at verse four. When the crowd rejects Zacchaeus, he doesn't just walk away or get angry, right? I mean, I wanted to get co-play tickets, but when I saw my queue number was fifteen thousand, I just closed the window, just walk away. But what did Zacchaeus do? Verse four, he runs down and climbs up a tree. Have you ever seen a rich person climb a tree? You ever see a grown man try and climb a tree? Would I climb a tree to get tickets for Coldplay? No. But there was something here, right? There was something in Zacchaeus that was prompting him, drawing him to Christ. The grace of God at work. Zacchaeus having the faith, a surprising salvation. Look again at verse 6. Jesus calls out to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. Now, if Zacchaeus was Singaporean or Asian, there would be no story, right? Because straight away, if I'm Zacchaeus and a stranger tells me, I must stay in your house today, I would think, Xiao. Translation, crazy. Call police. Scammer. There's a scammer. New scam. Guy come and say, I must stay at your house. But what does Zacchaeus do? Zacchaeus obeys by faith and agrees. In fact, verse 6 reads, He hurriedly came down and received him joyfully. There was a joy in him that knew that something great is happening. The grace of God at work, Zacchaeus' faith to response. So by the time you get to Zacchaeus' surprising response in verse 8, you can already trace the work of God in his life. You get what I'm saying? Salvation is in that way surprising. Sometimes you don't even know it's there. You don't even know it's happening. And let me speak plainly to you. I believe this speaks to some of us here today. Some of you may be sitting there thinking, is God real? Can I know Him? Am I really saved? Do I know Jesus? The truth is, you'd never know. But Luke 19 speaks to you today. Hey, maybe, just maybe, the fact that you are still coming to church, the fact that you are here today, the fact that you are hanging in there may very well point to the grace of God at work in your life may very well point to the fact that you are still responding by faith. Or perhaps some of you today, it's your first time here, or your first few visits you've come to explore, take a look. But maybe, just maybe, that in itself is the grace of God at work in your life. There is something drawing you to Christ, drawing you to the community of God, drawing you to the Church of Good Shepherd. Think about it. It's quite a common testimony, right? As some of us look back at our own Christian journey, I have no clue why I'm still in church. I have no clue why I received Christ and stayed on, even though the girls in the Methodist church are more pretty. Only the grace of God at work in our lives in a surprising way. So people of God, listen. Luke 19 is not an account about morality. It's not teaching us how to be a good person It really is a story of a surprising salvation. The grace of God already at work. That is why I think the whole account concludes, verse 9 flows into verse 10. Today, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, For the Son of God came to seek and save the lost. That's why verse 10 is the verse that closes this account those of you who like to dig deeper into Scripture, you can ask a very interesting question of this text. Who was really seeking who? If you look in your Bibles right at the start, in verse 3, we are told that Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus. Very interestingly, that word in verse 3 is the exact same word in verse 10. So we are told Zacchaeus is seeking Jesus. But I put it to you, Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus the whole time. Who was really seeking who in this text? So for those of you who are doubting, those of you who are visitors, those of you who are curious, may very well be Jesus Christ who is seeking after you this whole time, seeking after you today. You may well be already responding to God. God's grace may very well be already in your lives. That's why people of God, Luke 19, isn't about morality. It's about a surprising encounter with Jesus Christ. A surprising person, a surprising response, but really the grace of God at work and the faith of Zacchaeus already working right from the beginning. A thoroughly fascinating and surprising encounter with Jesus Christ. If you can and if you will, let me close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you know each and every one by name, even if we don't know you. Father, we know that today seated here, we come in from different situations in our lives. We come in from different contexts. We may very well come from different continents. But you are the same God, yesterday, today, forever. And you know us. Same God who encounters Zacchaeus in a surprising way seeks to encounter each and every one of us today. So Father, we pray, even as we hear a very simple message from your Word today, may our ears be open, may our hearts be soft to receive, perhaps, that confirmation that you have been looking out for us, you've been seeking after us all this time. The never-ending, the everlasting love of God, the reckless love of God that pursues us, that runs after us. Help us, O Lord, to recognize that. Help us to respond to that as the cornerstone, as the foundation of our lives, that God on high loves me, values me, and cherishes me. The world may despise me, the the world may devalue me, the crowds in my life may reject me, but I am forever chosen and valuable because of you because you came to seek and save the lost. You came to seek and save all of us. So help us, O Lord, to live for you in greater measure, to love you in greater measure. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.